Well, let's go ahead and go to the book of John, John chapter 1. If you would please, John chapter 1. We praise God for uh, the salvation of uh, the dear lady in the hospital today, uh, Liz's sister. Rejoice in that. That is, uh, that is, just, that is just great. So let's go ahead and go to prayer, and then we're going to read this portion. I'll show you just... You, you know, you look and it's not like, Lord, I need to find something new. No, I, I need to find something that's there. And I hope and pray again, it's a blessing. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would bless as we look to this passage, we have found him. Come and see. Lord, speak to us through your word, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. I wrote the, several years ago, I, I wrote the, uh, the tract, the gospel tract about the Reagan meeting that we had. Tale of two meetings is what we called it. And I enjoyed that, but that's not the first tract I was burdened to put together. You know, we've, we've got all these tracts that are professionally done and such, but there was a time when we didn't have a whole lot of money to purchase them. So I had my Macintosh computer, and I thought a Mac will do anything. It was a Mac Plus, you know, nine-inch monochrome screen. I mean, it just, you know, but the church bought me a LaserWriter Plus. So I could, I could spit something out there and then put it in our copy machine and we could do that. So I wrote a tract entitled, We Have Found Him, Come and See. And you'll see those phrases. You probably have, I know, I'm sure all of you have read them. They're in John chapter one. But in coming to this portion, I thought, there it is again. So if you would please go to verse 35, and we will read quickly from there to the end of the chapter. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, saith unto them, what seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him, abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah of which, excuse me, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is being interpreted a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. 
Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith of him, not to him, but of him, to those around, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said, saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I saw thee, because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. As I was studying this, I was struck seriously by this, that going from verse 35 to the end of the chapter, in a way you can see a microcosm of the Scripture. From beginning to end, you can see it right here, and I'll show you what I mean. We are witness to men, Andrew, Peter, James, and John, who were witness to one man, John the Baptist, who was witness to the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Actually, there were six disciples that would come. There's so much in this narrative about Christ. I thought, I've got to get through this as best as I can to show us, there are three things that we can focus on. There's statements that are made. There's truth that's there. For instance, the first, again, behold God's lamb. When in that verse, it says that John the Baptist looked at Christ and he said, behold the lamb of God. The Greek word there has the idea of a piercing gaze. He just didn't look up and go, oh, there he is, behold the lamb. That's not what he did. He is using his vision to catch the vision of other people. Look who this is. Now, again, when when I say there's a microcosm here, when, in fact, I was studying this this afternoon, when, uh, when he said, behold the lamb of God, Christ was the lamb slain, the scripture tells us, before the foundation of the world. I'm going to be using that, Lord willing, two weeks from today on helping to explain why we're having the spiritual warfare that we're having today, including what's going on in the Middle East right now. The entire Old Testament is a call to see and realize the act of God's saving work for mankind, 2 Timothy 1.9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, 
but according to his own purpose and grace. And there's much in those two words, which was given us in Christ Jesus, again, like I was talking about, before the world began. Titus, Paul writes this young man and says this in Titus 1-2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised again before the world began. We hear it right from the garden, Genesis 3.15, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel. Not going to go into detail in that tonight. I'll do that in two weeks. But we know what this is talking about, speaking of Christ when he comes and the interaction of he and Satan, what he does to Satan. So there were two disciples that heard disciples of John, that heard John say this concerning Jesus. Now remember when we had the men, when, uh, when we had the uh, two-minute warning, Pastor Perry Dalzell preached that message about John the Baptist when he said, he must increase, I must decrease. We see this happening right now. John does not fight his losing two disciples, two learners of his, and going to follow Christ. But look at verse 38 again. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? You know, I got to looking at that, and I'm telling you, Brad, you know, when, when, we, when we think about, you know, pro, uh, programs that we've had like RU and such, you know, asking people, look, what are you looking for when you do this to yourself or you take that into your body? You know, what are you looking for? But just for the average person to stop and consider, look, what are you looking for in life? But then when somebody comes to Christ, what are you looking for? I just, I, I can't take the time on that right now. There was much, I'm sure, that was on these men's hearts. The best they could do at the time was this, master, rabbi, teacher, where do you live? We want to follow you because that's where we can have the conversations. And so he said, come and see. You know, it's fascinating to go through the Bible and especially from Christ, read the invitations. Just stop and consider, you know, what we can get from Christ. Luke 17, whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Philippians 2, 21, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, of Jesus Christ, excuse me. So when we stop and consider what are we seeking? There are some people, and we know this, they're looking for a way out of the circumstances, not to leave their sin. They just want to get away from the circumstance, and then they'll just turn around and keep doing the same thing. That's foolishness. That's the blindness of sin. But when it comes to looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, what seek ye? Well, you know, again, we're instructed in the Bible. 
Isaiah 55. Seek the Lord, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. We know what Christ said in Matthew 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. One of my favorite passages, you know this. Psalm 63, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. First Corinthians, excuse me, First Chronicles 16, 11. Seek the Lord and his strength because I need that strength. You do too. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. So he said to these two disciples, come and see. They came, saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day. For it was about the 10th hour. Now, 10th hour, if they were using how the Jews measured time, that would be four o'clock in the afternoon. If it was Roman, that would be 10 o'clock in the morning. There's little doubt that of these disciples, one of them was John. He didn't make much of himself. So con um, commentators believe most definitely the one that is not named is John. So there's two disciples right there. Bottom line, what can we learn? Hey, when Jesus gives you an invitation, take it. When he says, come unto me, when he says, come and see, follow, take it, go after him. He does not turn away the hungry heart. I love this. Again, Matthew 11, we know this. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. There's another invitation he gave, John 14. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. You know, I have to tell you that heaven has been on our minds. You know, we have seen people that have stepped into eternity uh, just of late. Again, for those who, of us who especially knew her, Pat Van Allen, and now we're going to be having another memorial service. And meanwhile, uh, we saw Pat Taylor. And she's just, she doesn't know why she's here. She just wants to go home. I said, hey, listen, Pat, the Lord's got you here for a reason. And there's a couple of reasons that I know why. And uh, I can explain that to you uh, later on. But then we were over at uh, Helen Souza's house yesterday. I tell you what, she's a kick. She really is, but she's it's like, Lord, here I am. I'm going to be 90 next, next January. Uh, I don't know how people are living this old. Anyway, so first of all, first of all, we're looking at the Lamb of God. Secondly, we have found him. Look at verse 40. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was, uh, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, we have found the Messiah. Now, it's inferred in some of these situations, but you recognize something. Listen, we've got fishermen. I mean, this is the lunchbox crowd. Right, Bob? You know, these, these are the guys, they, they would work on the airplanes. They would work, you know, they do construction, you know, stuff like that. 
but they were looking into the scriptures. I find this fascinating. We have found him, the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. Christ, the anointed one. They knew it. They weren't just wasting time. It's implied here, by the way, that Andrew found his brother first. It's not that, the, uh, again, I've read a couple of guys, it's, it's not that, okay, this is the first guy that he found, but then he went and got this other, got this other. No, we're, we're, we're talking about Andrew and John. Andrew found his brother before um, John found his brother, James. So actually what you've got coming together here is you've got four disciples, including the three that would be the inner circle. Look at verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Cephas, that's Aramaic for Peter. The word Peter means a movable stone. What Jesus was saying, he is looking Peter in the eye and he's saying, I'm going to change you. There's going to be a change in your life. Now, you know, jokingly, sometimes we can say, you know, we identify with Peter, you know, open mouth and shirt foot, chew thoroughly. You know, it's just, I mean, this is just the way it is. You know, Peter, oh yeah, I'll get out of the water. And then after he gets out of the boat, walking on the water, he looks at the waves. How many of us are guilty at times of looking at the waves? I have been a master at that. Jesus looked at him and said, why are you fearful? Wherefore didst thou doubt? And you know, there's been a lot of that that's gone on in my life. Why have you been so fearful? Wherefore didst thou doubt? Don't you love it at this stage how the Lord has changed us? Now we've got room to grow, amen? We've got a ways to go, but praise God. Jesus was telling him, you know something? There's gonna be a change in you. That's four disciples now. The next day, the very next day, look at verse 43. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, follow me. That's five. You know, I was reminded when I read this verse right here, I was reminded of a message I heard many years ago. Oh, mercy. It's been, it's been close to 40 years ago. I heard a message by Ron Comfort. Evangelist Ron Comfort preached a message on Zacchaeus. And you know the story. The four points were so easy to remember. He sees me. He knows me. He wants me. He loves me. Jesus, when he was here, he saw people. And some of them, he reckoned, well, we'll see later on, he knew so much about them. He knew everything about them. In this particular case, he just said this, Philip, follow me. Now go to verse 44. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city 
of Andrew and Peter. I remember when, uh, when we were in Israel, we went to one of these cities. We went to Chorazin. Do you remember that? And he was telling us, it was kind of interesting, talking about how when they built these homes out of stone, they would build them in a certain way and they would actually shape the windows in a certain way that would encourage wind, a breeze to come through the house. Just kind of, you know, it wasn't extensive as far as what they had there, but it was good enough. It was, it was good. In Matthew eleven twenty one, Christ is saying, Woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. So Chorazin and Bethsaida, where these guys were from, it was known for being crude, rude. I mean, it was just, it was not a good place. There was a lot of sin there. It was wicked. But these guys were found by Christ. Verse 45, Philip findeth Nathanael, saith unto him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, apparently Nathaniel was a second name for a name that you've read when it comes to the disciples, Bartholomew. It's possible, and probably so, this has been going on, that he and Philip knew the scriptures well and again spent much time in the prophecies about Messiah. So there were things that they knew. Okay, the Davidic line, check. You know, uh, born of a virgin, check. He'd be identified from the northern part of the land, check, there it goes. <laughs> from Nazareth, <laughs> no way. What, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Look at verse 46. Last point, come and see. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip again saith unto him, Come and see. I love the invitations of the scripture. Because of its proximity, proximity to Gentile cities with a Gentile population that has kind of intermixed there, and with that, the, the, the crude manners, the, again, it's just like Bethsaida, the, the, the biblical illiteracy of the people, including the Jews. There was not a sophistication there. Now, somebody might say, you know, it was the Rialinda of the area. Listen, we love people in Rialinda. You know, I just thought, don't, don't, don't worry about it. But here's, here's the, the, the crazy thing. There was so much there that to a Jew was so wrong. Nathaniel, a Galilean, naturally had, because of its reputation, had, a, had a, a, a local prejudice against Nazareth. You know, hey, here's good places to go to. Here's a city. You don't want to go there. You know, we say, hey, <laughs> there's certain places I just don't want to go. They're dangerous, you know. 
No, nobody's going to take a cruise at night, at Friday night in Stockton. Right? With them, hey, listen, you know, I've known people from there. Uh, they were crude, rude, and like Pastor Stevens would say, crude, rude, and socially unacceptable, you know? Just trying to consider Nathaniel. Why was he hesitating? Nazareth, of course. But wait a minute. He's the son of Joseph from Nazareth. That's, that's impossible. So, okay, Nazareth had a reputation and it lived up to it. In fact, if you remember, and we're not going to go there, but if you remember when Jesus went, and remember, he grew up there after they came back out of Egypt. When he went and preached there, and made the statements that he did, they tried to kill him. They were going to throw him over a cliff. That's Again, that's the kind of place that it was. Look at verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, not to him, but of him, to the people that could hear, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Now, this is one of those things that you look and you think, you know, I, I really can't extrapolate this out of this. Not going not gonna to bank on it, but there's some interesting play on words here. There's stuff that's here that just, th this, this is fascinating. The inference is, well, read verse 48 first. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. It's inferred that because of the history of the man, this could be translated, or, or this could be inferred from what Christ said here, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no Jacob. In other words, early on, Jacob was a con artist. He's filled with guile. But then the Lord did a work in him, and he became Israel. There are those, again, that believe that what's taking place here is that Nathaniel was actually under the tree, the fig tree. It's, it's, it's got the, it's the time of, of leaves and stuff. He's under there. He's under the, out from the heat of the sun. And he was there, and he was thinking about Jacob. Now, again, just... Fascinating for what, it's, for what it's worth. So Nathaniel says, hey, how do, you, how do you know me? And true, how could this man know him? Because he was Jesus. He showed Nathaniel that even before Philip had found him, he had found him. Before Philip found Nathaniel, Jesus found Nathaniel, it would seem 
that again, Nathaniel was right there thinking about this. And I'll show you where the inference is. First of all, Jesus says, verse 49, or Nathaniel says in verse 49, Nathaniel answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the son of God, thou art the king of Israel. Now, that's six. There's six men that are going to be following Jesus now. So there was an invitation, come and see. We've read it several times. But now Jesus to Nathanael and beyond Nathanael is saying, you're going to see greater things. Look at verse 50. Jesus answered and said unto him, because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, verily, verily. I find it interesting. Matthew, Mark, Luke. They will use verily, truly, etc. And John, in fact, here, here's, the, um, here's the breakdown. In Matthew, we have the word verily 30 times, in Mark 14 times, in Luke 7 times. But John, in John, 25 times he records verily, verily. In other words, Jesus was intense in what he was saying that emphasized not only what Jesus was saying, but who Jesus was. He is God come in the flesh. And he's saying, you're going to see greater things. Verse 51, verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So here is the inference. Nathaniel, thinking about Jacob, was thinking about Jacob's ladder and the angels that he sought there. Jesus says, I've got news for you. You will see this. The angels, but then he says something a little different. He says, you'll see the angels ascending and then descending. Well, wait a minute, wouldn't that be the other way around? Wouldn't the angels come down and then go up? The answer is this, the angels are already here. You know, you stop and, and consider what we have learned about how God has used his angels here in this earth. When it comes to little ones, their angels behold my face always. There are angels that are assigned to different areas in the world. I believe we have angels that are for the churches. That is inferred in the book of Revelation. People can dispute it. That's okay, no problem. But I'll guarantee you that they are here working, watching when it comes to God's people. We will learn this when we get to heaven. But he says, look, you're going you're gonna to recognize this. You're going to see that I am at work here. I am, it's, it's as you can say, it's full court press. 
not only is Christ with us, the Holy Spirit is in us. You could say Christ in us as well. And the work of angels going on in this world right now. Now, we don't, we don't, we don't pray to angels. We don't do that. We let them do their work. We don't seek them, seek them out. I, I, there's no credence to that book, angels on assignment, stuff like that. You know, praise God if, if people have recognized a situation where there have been uh, angels, that's great. Do you remember the story? And we were talking about it. I, I forget. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if I talked about it, you know, someone else, whatever. But, you know, the situation that took place with the five uh, missionaries uh, going to reaching out to the Alka Indians. We'll know this when we get to heaven, okay? I, I'm not saying this is scripture. But there's possibility here. Several of the Indians, several of the Aka Indians that were there, including people that were hiding in the bush when those missionaries were dead or dying, said that they suddenly heard music. Some of them said, we're hearing music. When Nate Saint's wife, Rachel, played a recording of a choir, they said, that's it. That's what we heard was that kind of singing. And they said that they had looked up and they saw bright lights above the tree line, figures. Now, again, I'm not going to build my faith on that. But I tell you what, I've read enough in Scripture what Christ did when it came to his own and how he, I mean, Stephen saw him. Of course, I don't know how many other, I, I don't think anybody else did, but they saw him. But there's situations that you just get to kind of wondering. I do know this. There's heavens and, excuse me, there's angels in heaven. But according to this passage, they're here on earth and they're at work. The bottom line is this. What we see in this passage are invitations, not only from Christ himself, but from those who were seeking him. We have found him. Come and see. You know, I get to thinking about this. I'd kind of like to rewrite that tract and publish it. We found him. Come and see. That's a great invitation. There's much more that we're going to be seeing. But this microcosm of the scripture, I thought was fascinating. Because you see Christ speaking, Lamb of God, John the Baptist saying it, that harkens back to before the creation itself. All the way what he told Nathaniel. It's not just what you're going to see now, but what's coming. And that's the whole span of the scripture.